let's get it all in perspective for all y'all enjoy me the song y'all can step with well hello everybody and happy july 5th hope everybody had a wonderful july 4th holiday personally big july 4th fan uh mine was solid definitely no complaints big fireworks guy uh was always excited to buy fireworks when I was a kid. It was a little bit different in Memphis. We had to drive across the river into West Memphis to get fireworks. So that was always uh, a little bit of a hike. It uh, wasn't too far from Midtown. And uh, typically as we got into high school, we kind of started going on our own. And I could sit here and tell you some stories of uh, some mischief that occurred with some fireworks. But nonetheless, no one got hurt. Uh, really wasn't that big a deal when it was all said and done. July 5th, a big day for a lot of teachers around the country because AP scores are in. And I got to brag about a few of my students, nobody individually, but uh, had I teach AP U.S. government and politics, and my students did very well this year. In fact, it was the highest pass rate I've ever had, just a little bit south of 80%, but about 30% over the national average. And I'm not sitting here uh, telling you this, so you will think, oh, man, this guy is just the best teacher of all time, because that is definitely not true. It's it's just like coaching. You're only going to be as good as your kids. Uh, my kids did really well this year. So very proud of them. Shout out to uh, this year's AP Gov students that I had. You did a fantastic job. Um, it's going to be a tough act to follow, class of 2024. So we will see how that will work out. Also, shout out to my two kids, Ray and Jameson. Uh, Raya passed both of her uh, AP exams, environmental science and then English composition. And Jameson also passed her first ever AP exam in AP human. So that is great news. Just a little brag on the kids there. Uh, congrats to their teachers who were able to get them through that uh, because it's not the easiest thing in the world. In fact, I was doing a little research this morning to see what are the most difficult uh, AP classes and found a website that has it broken down by pass rates. Uh, AP physics is the toughest, which makes perfect sense. But then uh, environmental science, chemistry, and then number four, U.S. government and politics. Uh, so very proud of my uh, my daughters for doing well because uh, AP environmental science, Rhea passed that. She has also passed Human Geography, which is sixth on the list. And uh, last year she passed World History, which is number 10 on the list. So uh, my kids are, are geniuses, not because of me, just because of all the great work that they put into it. But uh, yeah, so that's always an exciting time. I had kind of forgotten that that was even coming out. Woke up this morning, checked it. And uh, be honest, you know, it, it put me in a pretty good mood. Very proud of my kids and also my students that I was able to teach. But as I was looking over some of the data, it kind of led to something I thought I would talk about. And this this will be the only other podcast I have this week. A lot going on, kind of squeezing this one in here. Um, but one of the major issues that we have faced as teachers since COVID hit uh, was absenteeism. And absenteeism is a big deal. I always tell my students, I teach all, all seniors in AP government. And when they ask me for college advice, they say, what is the best advice you can give us going off to college. And number one, I think it's you should attend class. And that might sound like a given, but if we're being fully transparent, uh, first semester 
of freshman year, I was not the best about going to classes. You're in these big lecture classes. Uh, sometimes attendance is not taken. Very easy to not go, especially if you have friends in the class. Uh, but got my uh, got my grades at Christmas break after first semester, and my dad had a pretty significant talk with me and says, "Hey, um, this happens again in the in the spring. And you're not going back." So got my act together, started going to class. But it's incredibly difficult for kids to be successful if they're not going to class. And uh, some of my lower grades, obviously not going to say any names because these kids would probably know who they are, were kids that were not in class very much. And it makes a significant uh, difference if you're not there. And this is something that as teachers we are dealing with. Uh, in my 19 years, I'll be starting my 19th year. So in my previous 18 years, I've never seen anything like the absenteeism that has happened the last couple of years. And it's obviously on the heels of COVID. We had uh, an entire, not entire, but a solid nine weeks of school wiped out. We come back the next year. Uh, we're in and out of remote learning. Um, and then this past year, past couple of years, things have finally kind of gotten back to normal. But there, the aftermath and the concept of chronic absenteeism has been really significant. In fact, uh, the number of students, according to this USA Today article, who are absent last spring was double what it was before COVID-19. 16 million, which is double the 8 million it was, according to one estimate. Uh, certain states have had it worse than others, but the numbers are staggering. And it's not just students, it's also teachers. and the article basically says families are still in the COVID-19 mindset. The first few years of the pandemic, it, it was disoriented. You had some parents probably a little nervous about sending their kids back to school. You had all these issues where um, we had to turn in seating charts as teachers. We, uh, if, if a kid got COVID, we had to quarantine kids around them. Uh, it was a very difficult task. And I can tell you, uh, even as a teacher, when we went back and, and we're doing remote learning, it was very odd. You had, I had like this three hour gap in the middle of the day where I would go work out or go on walks and, and things that wouldn't be afforded. And the reason I had it was because it, I had a study hall planning period and lunch all backed up into like one big block. And it just was not an ideal situation. And I think a lot of kids got in the habit of not wanting to go to school and a lot of parents being really sympathetic to what they're going through, uh, not forcing them to go to school to go to school. Now, this is something that would not have flown in my household. I vividly remember, I don't know the exact date. It was obviously early April, 1994, junior in high school. And uh, I had eaten Subway the night before. I had food poisoning. I didn't feel well. I just know the date is around this time because I remember watching the national championship game between Arkansas and UCLA uh, in college basketball. And I remember waking up the next morning and just being really sick. I also had an English test third period that day. And I was met with my dad outside the bathroom door where he said, uh, well, head on to school and make sure you take your English test and you can come up. I don't know if that's the same threshold a lot of kids are being held to these days, but it's definitely a significant issue. Kids are missing tons of school. I, I've had students in the last couple of years miss in excess of 30, 60, 90 days, uh, which in AP government, since it's a semester course and we do it every other day, that's like missing half the school year when it's uh, when it's all said and done. So it is definitely somewhat of an issue. 
And it kind of goes back to the podcast about when I talked about how what, how can we change education or, or we miss this golden opportunity to change education. Uh, we've got to incorporate more things in the school day that are appealing to students. And, you know, my suggestion is we need to cut down on the number of required courses. We need to start tracking kids in terms of uh, putting them on pass uh, for their futures, internships, extracurricular activities. I'm not saying we should shorten the school day. I'm saying we should shorten the requirements within the school day and allow kids to pursue things they're passionate about. Because if you know, if you're passionate about something, you are going to be better at it. I, I probably would be a significantly better AP government teacher than an AP U.S. history teacher because I, I love U.S. history. I'm a huge World War II guy. All right. I, I've rewatched the war uh, Band of Brothers multiple times, including kind of flipping on here and here back and forth some this summer. Uh, but I am much more passionate about government. Thus, I think I probably am better served to be a government teacher because it's something that I'm constantly studying and trying to learn more about, even though I, I do really get into history as well. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there are some things we can do because this is this is a major issue. At what point does it stop? Because you know, you had a lot of kids affected by COVID, whether this year's senior class, which was were freshmen when we had that initial hiatus from school. But at what point are we going to say uh, enough is enough? And it's not just, you know, it's not I'm not pinning this on parents or the school system or anything like that. But at some point we have to meet uh, meet halfway and make sure that kids are attending school and, and getting what they need and, and learning the valuable skills, I'm not talking just about academic skills, but the valuable skills that will help them be successful and, and help improve their overall mental health, because this is uh, this is something that's not going away. And, um, you know, to our credit in Williamson County, we did not take an extended break uh, and take a whole year uh, where we were not going to school uh, like some other districts and, and the disparities there is probably a lot more significant than some of the things I see. So I'm not trying to sit here and talk about it in a vacuum or, or living in this bubble, because obviously some places, uh, it is going to be way worse, um, than some other places. And it, you know, COVID and, and navigating through that was a nightmare. And that's why a lot of teachers said we're out. Uh, and this isn't just an education thing. A lot of people have taken on different endeavors and, People are kind of just doing what they want to do, um, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Now, I did come across an article um, probably near the end of May, uh, and it's an article about a school system here in Tennessee, Wayne County, uh, and the title of the article is High School Students Required to Do Physical Labor to Make Up Missed Classes. It, including, it included rather doing things like power washing the school, uh, riding bus routes and helping the graduation are some of the options that the principal at Wayne County High School gave to students in order to make sure that they would be able uh, to graduate because uh, Wayne County had a rule uh, that you could not have more than eight absences per semester, no matter the reason. So they came up with these options for students to come to school to make up uh, this time. And while it's not academically uh, tied in, uh, obviously power washing is not going to help you with math or anything like that. But uh, many students spent hours doing physical labor. Um, and this wasn't just for seniors. This was just for kids that 
missed a lot of school time. Principal Ryan Franks, who I know at one time was a basketball coach and I believe still is, introduced this rule in 2018 to cut down on chronic absenteeism. He said some students are missing more than 25 days per year, which led the school to have one of the worst attendance rates in the states, in the state of Tennessee, rather. Students can participate in after-school tutoring to make up the hours during the school year. If they don't complete that work, the school provide them with other tasks to complete around the school to make up the time. I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, we deal with this sometimes uh, at Ravenwood, and kids do not want to do this, and I imagine it's an issue at a variety of schools, but uh, if, if a kid skips a class, uh, typically they're given a Friday school. A lot of kids would rather do anything but Friday school. Friday school, they have the option to sit there and do work. They can pick up trash. They can do tasks uh, around the school. So in, in, in a way, it's kind of the same concept because they did skip a class and now they're having to do Friday school and they're having to uh, make up for that. But uh, Frank said he insists on teaching students how to handle their own business despite the school policy clearly requiring parents to be part of any attendance issues. He is working to update the student handbook for next year to include a five-year-old policy because of parent complaints. So here's the deal. Students are missing a lot of school. He's making them come in. The school is making them come in and uh, do manual labor or various tasks that need to be done to make up the time. And apparently some parents are complaining. Well, I mean, get, get to school. That's the reality because you're going to be more successful. There's a clear correlation uh, if you're struggling in school and you're not attending, it's going to be very hard, <clears throat> hard uh, to make up that time. And it's just incredibly difficult uh, once you fall into that trap. And then you develop this mentality of like, I, I really don't want to go when it's all said and done. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to talk about. These are obviously not school related uh, or education related, but they found cocaine in the White House. Um which I think the funniest thing is the minute they find it, the entire right is like Hunter Biden. And you know what? Um, that's a valid, uh, I guess, valid intuition right there by people because, you know, Hunter Biden has uh, shown the ability to not make the best decisions. You have the whole laptop thing. Uh, there's still lots to be discovered regarding his relationship with the Chinese. I know there's this, this message on this WhatsApp um, where he was basically, uh, you know, talking back and forth with uh, Chinese leadership about various things. I, I think, I think Hunter Biden's kind of a shady guy. Now they're they're saying it's not his, or at least they're they're saying there's no way to know whose it was, which I find unbelievably hard to wrap my brain around because this is probably the most secure house in the world. You can't tell me there aren't cameras everywhere. Uh, the general public is only allowed to view the East Wing. The cocaine was found in the West Wing. And uh, for some reason, we'll, we'll probably get, never get clear clarification of whose it was. Maybe it was Hunter Biden's. Maybe it wasn't. I'm not going to sit here and say it was. I just think it's uh, somewhat interesting that that's the first thing that everybody points to. And I would also like to point out, like, we are we are headed down a road where we have uh, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump for an election. And I'll probably talk about this next week. I, I think there's a way to save our political system. And I think it has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. That's a different conversation for a different day. But uh, so, so we have a former president who has been indicted on charges of, uh, you know, uh, classified documents. We have a current president whose son appears to be tied up 
uh, and foreign um, issues with with China and other countries using his family to uh, basically to his benefit. Uh, this this is the best we can do. I mean, it is absolutely unbelievable that we're going to, have to sit through this again. We had Trump versus Hillary. Terrible. We had Trump versus Biden. Terrible. And now we're going to have potentially Trump versus Biden again. I mean, it's just insane. Like, is this the best we can do? Like, I have more faith in my 99-year-old grandmother to know what is going on than our current president. And I don't think Donald Trump is a great option as well. I imagine a lot of you would agree agree with me on that. Uh, but that's just kind of where we're at. And hopefully there can be something to change the tide. I have some ideas. I will pot about that on a different day when there's absolutely nothing else to talk about, which will probably be sometime next week. But we will see how that ultimately plays out. Now, uh, one other, I think, interesting thing uh, that I came across, and this was this was a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if I, I mentioned this uh, the other day or not. But speaking of cocaine, in Colombia, uh, the hippo population is getting a little off the charts. Uh, Colombia's invasive hippo population is even larger than researchers had thought, according to the most thorough census of animals conducted yet. This is an article that was in Scientific America, and uh, the title of the article is Colombia's Cocaine Hippo Population is Bigger Than We Thought. You probably wondered where I was going with the cocaine tie-in there. Uh, well, there's a reason for it, and I'm fascinated uh, by Pablo Escobar. I, I think the best 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN is the two Escobars. It uh, talks about the uh, Pablo Escobar drug ring and how that played into soccer, how he was able to launder money and how it gave to the rise of Colombian soccer. In 1994, Colombian soccer was among the top teams in the world. Andreas Escobar was their top player, a defender, who in the game against the United States, which they ended up losing, scored an own goal. And then upon returning to Colombia, was out at a nightclub and was murdered. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, they you get a lot of different scenarios on whether the murder was directly related to him scoring an own goal in the World Cup. But if you've not watched two Escobars on ESPN 30 for 30, I highly recommend it. And also, I believe the first two seasons of Narcos, maybe the third season, I can't remember, it's been years since I watched it, uh, basically follows that same storyline uh, with Pablo Escobar. But Pablo Escobar had a lot of exotic animals. He had a couple hippos when he was killed. Uh, they freed these animals, and now they have uh, bred and uh, hippos are a pretty dangerous animal, okay? Um, so they are called the cocaine hippos because they believe that there are 98 uh, hippos now in Colombia. And uh, kind of an interesting footnote to the end of the Pablo Escobar regime. Hope you guys are having a great week. I appreciate everyone reaching out, um, telling me what they think. If you have an issue with something, you, if there's something you want me to talk about, DMs are open. Give me a follow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Not the best time to start a Twitter account. Leave me a five-star review. Uh, don't leave me any other reviews. If you think it sucks, just find something else to do. won't bother me. But appreciate you guys listening, and I will, uh, I will talk to you again next week. I wish to God that I could help her out. I wish I knew what she was talking about. I wish to God that I could get away, but I'm way too drunk to drive. All I know is that when I am good and 
that river. 